Welcome to another edition of Exploring Mind and Body. As always, I'm your host, Drew Taddea. All right, thanks so much for being here with me in studio. I appreciate you checking out the shows and being part of our True Form Life community. All past shows are going up on exploringmindandbody.com, so be sure to check us out there. All right, right before we jump into the show, just a quick word from our sponsor, MAK Mystic Expressions. Now, this is a Himalayan salt company. They have all kinds of different products. My favorite is the Himalayan salt lamp. I have some in every room. Now, this will put your room it will put your whole house at ease it's just a very nice calming light and it also has positive ions that it releases to relax your home they also have salt grinders cutting boards shakers everything you need to improve your lifestyle with pink himalayan salt check them out at makmystic.com now today we have another guest coming on this is mark allen and he's talking about tantra for the west now mark he's he's an incredible guy he had a big part in the new world library now that's kind of his baby. A good number of these authors that you get the chance to listen to are coming from the New World Library. So that's all happening because of Mark. You know, he's a big name in the industry. And also as an author, he's written a number of fantastic books. And I'm so happy and feel fortunate and grateful to have him on talking about this topic. Now we go over everything from affirmations to being free, being alone, money or finances situations. There's tons of information. So sit right there and enjoy. We got all that coming up on... This is Exploring Mind and Body. Naturally improve your lifestyle one show at a time with your host, Drew Tadia. Okay, welcome to another edition of Exploring Mind and Body. You heard all about Mark Allen on the introduction. So without further ado, welcome to the show, Mark. Thank you, Drew. It's great to be here. Yeah, it's an absolute pleasure. I know you've got a lot going on. You just came back from, you're telling me off air, you came back from a New York convention? Right, the book publishing convention. And how did that go? Oh, it's great. They have it every year, and I love it. You meet all kinds of people, booksellers and all kinds of people in the book business. You're a big part of New World Library, and, and I thank you off air, but I'll thank you again for sending over for our listeners there. Many of our guests that you've been listening to have come from Mark in the New World Library, so thanks for you know creating such a great publishing place well, for authors. My pleasure, to be. and thanks for helping give them a venue to express what they're passionate about. Yeah, absolutely. There's so much good information we have coming over from you guys. So today we're talking about Tantra. Now it's spelled Tantra, and I'd imagine many people call it Tantra. Right, right. <laughs> so, well, let's, why don't we... T- why don't we? Why don't you tell us what tantra is to get started, so we give our listeners a base of this book? Yeah, good. I, I, I had a uh, an interviewer from Oregon say, "Why do you have to call it tantra? Why don't you call it some American word like Chevrolet or fork?" <laughs> that that was his exact quote. He I don't know why he picked Chevrolet and fork out of the million possible English words, but uh, <laughs> but I thought about it for a second. I said, you know, I would put pick an English word if there was a, an English equivalent. But the interesting thing is there really isn't. I, I think there's only two foreign words in the book. I, I use Tantra and the word karma, too, doesn't have an, an easy English equivalent. Uh, karma, maybe you could say cause and effect, something like that, but uh, it doesn't, there isn't yet in our language uh, easy, short, good translations of Tantra or Karma. Tantra, if anybody has heard it, probably thinks about it, that it has to do with sex. It's very interesting in our culture. A whole lot of people think, oh, 
Tantra, it means sex with some mysticism thrown in, some kind of mystical practice or spiritual thing and sex combined. That's Tantra. But if you go study Tantra, uh, where the term originated from India and Tibet, it means it's much broader than that. The whole uh, realm of Tibetan Buddhism that I, I studied for almost four years uh, and really tried to figure out how to translate into our culture, they call Tantric Buddhism or the Tantric Path. So what do they mean by that? And at, at one point, the teacher told me a little story that's in the beginning of the book. He said, there's really three paths, three spiritual paths. The first is that of the monk or the nun. And they're walking up the mountain. And he said they have a story where the, there's a patch of poison growing over the path. And poison in Tibetan is the same as the word for so-called negative emotions, anger, fear, greed, negative emotions, poison your body and they say poison so poison is going across the path the monk or the nun comes up that path sees the poison and immediately goes the other way on another path and he said that's a totally valid path but that's one choice then the bodhisattva comes up the awakening being who vows to to keep reincarnating till he awaken he or she awakens every other being on earth he or she comes up the path, sees the poison, and just plows right through the poison and goes up the path. Then the tantric yogi comes up the path, the practicer, practice, the one who practices tantra, sees the poison and goes into the center of the poison, even though it seems to go off the path. I pondered that for months, thinking about thinking that's a key to the meaning of Tantra. And what I finally realized, what they mean by Tantra then, is the yoga, the practice of every moment of our lives, especially those moments when we feel any kind of negative emotion, those are the best moments to practice, in a way. Within our, the darkest moments, our brightest treasures are found. That's where we find whether we have a spiritual path that has any meanings is when we have really difficult times in life. So Tantra, I realize what they're talking about is the yoga of every moment, the practice of every moment. And that's why they say it's a direct path. He kept saying it's direct, direct. But I couldn't find the direct path within the Tibetan tradition. I had to leave there and spend several years pondering all this stuff before I could translate it into our traditions, and that's where I came up with Tantra for the West. Tantra is a direct practice of every moment. That's the simplest form for us to understand, Tantra? Yes, every moment, rejecting nothing. Okay, so now can you explain or shine some light on why we're so fixated on the future or the past and not living in Tantra? <laughs> uh, you know, that's a good question, <laughs> and... Uh, people have pondered that forever, but the, the problem really does seem to be rooted in our habitual thought patterns. The problem is in our own mind. Uh, well, I once thought, who would have thought that our thinking is the problem? Our thoughts don't want to go there. Our thoughts don't want to admit they're the problem. Okay. But from very, a very young age, we're t very, very carefully taught to think and to think in a linear fashion, and we end up with this constant stream of thoughts. Well, examining that theme of the stream of thoughts becomes one of the best things we can do, one of our best practices. 
Yes, almost all of us have this constant stream of thoughts. Let's really become aware of it. So these thoughts are, you know, thoughts or um, maybe meditations or, or whatever is continually going through our mind, and then they become words. Now, can right. you talk about the power of words? Because I love this topic. Right, right. In the traditional uh, Buddhist center I studied and got most of this from, they did. They got into mantra, mantra, chanting mantra. Uh, like one was Om Mani Padme Hum. And I remember walking through the streets of Berkeley, California, uh, chanting Om Mani Padme Hum, Om Mani Padme Hum, trying this practice. You know, this is a, a good practice. Well, again, I had to finally translate it to our culture. Uh, I heard a translation of that mantra as Hail, although Om, Om doesn't really mean hail. It really, it's supposed to be the universal sound. Om aligns you with the universal energies. Om, Mane Padme Hum. It means hail to the jewel of bliss in the lotus of consciousness. So be it. So it is. It's Hum. Uh, but Mane and Padme are jewel of bliss in lotus of consciousness. So you're affirming there's a jewel of bliss in my consciousness. There's bliss in my consciousness. So I tried to turn that into English words that affected my life. And bliss was a little too much. And, but I did just, I found a phrase from a Unity Church minister named Catherine Ponder, who'd written some books in the 70s. Uh, the phrase, in an easy and relaxed manner, in a healthy and positive way. And then you continue with whatever you want to affirm, like, I am now at peace or I am now creating whatever you want in life in an easy and relaxed manner, in a healthy and positive way. So, And now are we repeating these words to uh, almost turn our mind off or stop these negative thoughts or emotions to come through our body? Yeah, whenever, whenever those negative thoughts or emotions come up, there's always there's, there's two excellent choices. They're both good. One is to really get right into them, to confront them. The first exercise in the book is really just looking at all the feelings that come up that you feel during the day and really being with them and even asking yourself, what is going on? Why do I feel upset about this? Why am I irritated? Why am I anxious? And asking yourself and then listening for the response and even saying thank you to the response. And, and it, it throws open the doors on our so-called negative emotions that most of us want to close. We don't want to feel angry, fearful, anxious, we tend to run from it. That we tend to take that path of the monk or nun and avoid, avoid those things. But the path of Tantra is you plunge right into it. You, you get into it. You ask yourself, what is going on? Why am I feeling angry? What am I telling myself? And you really examine that. When you really keep asking yourself about those things, those things start losing their power. So this is what happens when we practice Tantra. We we're practice you know, in the moment, in every moment. So every time something comes up, we look it right in the eyes and we address it before it causes, I would say, internal issues. Right, right. It is becoming aware, becoming more aware. I like your title, Exploring Mind and Body. Exploring Mind, just becoming aware of what is arising in our mind and our body. What's arising? What emotions are arising? We plunge into the center of those then affirmations really are very good. Once we've spent some time dealing with this emotion, really looking at it, we can replace our thought with a, a powerful affirmation. And the, 
the whole second chapter of the book after Tantra is all about affirmations because I have found them so powerful in my life. You can only think one thought at a time. So if you do keep repeating just even the words in an easy and relaxed manner, in a healthy and positive way, I am now finding peace in my life, or whatever it is that works for you. Those words will totally affect mind and body. All right, Mark, let's take a short commercial break. When we come back, we're going to jump into some of the questions I have for you. So stay right there. We'll be right back on Exploring Mind and Body. Exploring Mind and Body with True Form's Drew Tadia would not be possible without the help from the following sponsors. AG Foods in Didsbury, Health Street in the Cornerstone Shopping Center Olds, and Shoppers Drug Mart, working together to help build a healthier tomorrow. For more information on True Form Life, Drew Tadia, or to find out how you can become a sponsor, visit exploringmindandbody.com. All right, welcome back to Exploring Mind and Body. We have Mark Allen on the line, and we're talking all about Tantra for the West. Now, Mark, one of the questions or topics I want to bring up is sex. Not because sex sells, but because it seems like a topic that, well, may not fit in this category, but also something that we don't address or we don't Tantra, if you will. We don't look directly at it. It's something that we almost avoid. Would that be fair to say? Yeah, we some. It's weird. We avoid it, and yet our culture is obsessed with it in some way. <laughs> right, absolutely. And, you know, so, <laughs> so there's, there's all kinds of ways to deal with it, but definitely looking at it as another part of a, your spiritual practice or another thing that helps you wake up and live a, a far more expansive life is a wonderful thing because sex is amazing. It It takes energy from your lower chakras, if you want to use chakras, lower energy centers, your sexual centers, and it, they do rise right through the center of your body. It opens up your heart, and then it blows your mind. Sex is amazing. Even atheists sometimes will be shouting, oh, God, oh, God. <laughs> you know? Okay, so I'm not sure why, but this, this stood out here in this chapter. It says, you are a free being. It just seems so powerful. Can you talk about that? Yeah. Free, I even, uh, in the early version of Tantra, I had the uh, uh, subtitle of you know, A Direct Path to Freedom or A Guide to Personal Freedom. Because mm -hmm. to me, that's what it's all about. Uh, becoming free. Uh, Thoreau famously said, do we call this the land of the free? What is it to be free of King George and slaves to prejudice? It is our children's children who might really be free. Well, we're the children's children of Thoreau. And are we free? And what does freedom mean? And I, maybe I'm unusual. I don't know. I walk around and ponder these things. I take walks and ponder. What does freedom mean? What does freedom mean? And I get different answers at different times, but it certainly means being free to be yourself, fully and completely yourself, whatever that means for you. Being free to do, be, and have what you really want and dream of, that certainly is freedom. Would you say that our own thoughts or our words or maybe our affirmations, they imprison us? Yes, I do think so. I think most of us are trapped in these recurring thoughts. Uh, some scientists have said 98% of our thoughts are recurring. Uh, we've thought them before. So we're thinking the same things over and over, particularly when we get upset or when we get in a difficult relationship or something, and this 
stream of anxious thoughts or angry thoughts, particularly when those come up, I, one way to look at it is that is imprisoning us in these emotions. So we become sort of like victims of our own emotions rather than masters of them. Absolutely. Working towards freedom or freeing ourselves, what are some of the things we can do? Well, I, I've over the years, definitely, I've had a few really great teachers that I've looked at and said, that person has the kind of freedom I want. That person is aware and, and uh, aw- awake even in a way that most people aren't. Uh, it's, what does it mean in our lives? I keep pondering that. What does it mean you know, for me personally? Well, it definitely means not being on this emotional roller coaster anymore. And you can get off the r- roller coaster. And you get off it by getting into it, plunging into the poison, and really seeing what those fears are underneath. Underneath all our anger is fear. Underneath all our so-called negative emotions is fear. So what is that fear? You get into that fear. Even look at what are our worst fears. And when you start thinking what your worst fears are, you realize they're unfounded. And they're highly unlikely. When I get down to my worst fear... It's like, oh, well, I could go bankrupt and lose everything. Well, if that happened, then what's the worst thing? Well, I could die slowly, painfully in a gutter, a drunken bum, and no one would notice or care. That was about the worst thing I could think of. And when I looked at that, I thought, well, that's highly unlikely. Right. Uh, I mean, especially since I quit drinking, but <laughs> even before, you know, it's highly unlikely that the worst fear would come true. We don't want to be like Mark Twain. Like he said near the end of his life, he said, you know, when he looks back at his life, he realized he was filled with so many fears so much of the time, and they were all unnecessary and unfounded. And he said, even the worst ones that came true, and he did go bankrupt, and he lost a daughter. Some, he had some tough experiences. He said, even the worst fears, when they came true, he found he just dealt with the situation. So he didn't need to fear it. And that would be living Tantra. Yes. Absolutely. Yeah, you could say that that's the path of Tantra, diving into every moment. So powerful, just the simplicity of it, is just paying attention to every moment that comes up and not worrying about what could happen or what might happen. I find that as well, whether it's myself or someone I'm working with is we have these big, you know, um, (laughs) exciting thoughts or I suppose they're not all that exciting, but elaborate thoughts that could probably never possibly happen. (laughs) Right, right. right. (laughs) um, Yes, yes. Mark, one of the questions I wanted to bring up was being alone. I feel like we're so afraid to be alone in this world of technology, phones, computers. Um, We have more friends than ever before that we don't talk to (laughs) at all. Um, Can you talk about being alone? Yeah, I I mean, being alone is a wonderful thing. And to me, it's completely rejuvenating and, and completely necessary. And my... My wife really understands. I, I have my mornings alone, and I have every, every Monday I have all day alone. That's my day, completely alone. And those are my favorite days and favorite times. I mean, uh, yeah, when I hear that, that's one of the major fears of people being alone. That's a great fear to look at and say, why? Why is that such a fear? It can be wonderful to be alone. 
Yeah, I couldn't agree more. And do you have any suggestions of why we feel like we need, we're so afraid to be alone? Oh, maybe there's fears of like abandonment and, and, uh, uh, you know, being left alone in life and when you need someone else or something. Mm -hmm. I don't know. I went, I lived alone for seven years to find, I, I could live that way and, uh, I, I look back fondly on the years I spent alone. Uh, whether you're alone or in relationship with others, either way, it's, it's your perfect path. Right. The perfect path. I remember after seven years of being alone, when I, it came to the point of wondering if I should settle down with this woman or not, I meditated on it a lot. I wandered through the hills. I sat and meditated. And the, finally, the answer I got was, either way, it's okay. And I realized, oh, yeah, I can be alone or I can be in relationship. Either way, it's okay. Mm-hmm. I think that's nice. That's nice to hear for many of us. I th- also, I believe we live in a society where it's some form of success to have, whether it's a girlfriend or a wife and a family. And I think it's okay to be alone. And uh, right. we don't hear that enough. We don't hear that yeah. at all. I in guess. fact, it's quite wonderful. And that is certainly that's part of being free. We've in the '60s we shattered all these social models of how we should be. That if you're over a certain age, you should be married and have a family. Well, not everyone should at all. A lot of people should not be married. A lot of people should not be parents. <laughs> right? You know, <laughs> because it's not their passion. We should do what we're passionate about. It's the people that really want kids that should have kids. They're the good parents. That's great. That's right. Not that we we feel like we should do so many things just because society says we should. And uh, right. I think you're exactly right. Some people just do it because they think they're supposed to, and they, maybe that's not their passion. That's not what they're looking forward to in life. But there they are. Right. Right. I support everyone who doesn't have kids. I think we should have a holiday. We have a Mother's Day and a Father's Day. I think we should have a single person's day you know a single adult's day and uh, and just and the married couples and so many now that choose not to have children that's wonderful we should celebrate them mm-hmm. we should say thank you you're you're helping the planet by not having children <laughs> <laughs> okay. you know and they are they really are <laughs> well mark i wanted to ask you about money now money is a topic in your book but it's uh, comes up so often money equals happiness we need money i like how you talked about uh, limiting beliefs now not just with money but i believe we have limiting beliefs in every category or realm of our life can you talk about limiting factors maybe directly with money and then how it affects our life right money money and time are really linked to and we often have limit i sure grew up with a lot of them and i was a a poverty case i call it through uh, through my (laughs) 20s and into my early 30s because when i realized I had these beliefs that I was a fool with money. I didn't understand money. I was, and I was out of control. Whatever I had, I blew. That was my belief, my deep underlying belief. So, of course, I, uh, what I finally learned about our beliefs is they are not true in themselves. Many, many people have very different beliefs than we do about everything, including money. Mm-hmm. But they become true in our experience if we believe them. We think the outside world's a certain way, and then we have realistic beliefs. But that's not true. Our beliefs determine how we see the world, even. And our beliefs affect us, and we can change our beliefs. 
So when I realized my underlying belief was I'm out of control, I'm a fool with money, I started affirming whenever this anxiety around my, I was on the verge of bankruptcy in my early 30s when I'd started my company and nearly went bankrupt. Our distributor went bankrupt. We didn't get paid for six months. It was, I had all this anxiety around money. And that's when I realized, okay, look at my beliefs. Look at this anxiety. What am I saying? I was constantly saying, I'm a fool with money. I'm out of control. I even was saying, someday the bottom will fall out. I was uh, quoting a Bob Marley song to myself. <laughs> I was programming myself into bankruptcy. And when I realized that, I stopped it. I said, cancel, cancel, let those thoughts go. Every time the anxiety would arise, I came up with an affirmation that's exactly the opposite. I started saying, I am sensible and in control of my finances. I'm creating total financial success in an easy and relaxed manner in a healthy and positive way. That affirmation worked for me. I repeated it several thousand times over the first year or two. And that whole year, everything turned around, and I became sensible and in control of my finances. I realized money's easy. It's not complicated. You just need to make more than you spend. <laughs> you know, it's very simple. No higher math is involved, just adding and subtracting. You know? That's, <laughs> that's it. That's the easiest way to, uh, to explain it, isn't it? Yes, yes. That's what I finally learned about money. It's very simple to master money. The older I get, the simpler I see things, definitely. And I realized part of the problem of my youth was when I come to these simple understandings that were true, part of my brain would think, oh, it's more complicated than that. It's not that simple. That inner critic, that inner skeptic was the main part of the problem. And I've got to realize, no, it is that simple. It's very simple. Part of you is saying it's got to be more complicated. The first quote on the frontispiece of Tantra for the West is, the higher the truth, the simpler it is, by this renowned Torah scholar that I didn't know, but I just, I love that quote. The higher the truth, the simpler it is. Okay, we can say these things simply. So when you started to rehearse these, this mantra in your mind around money, did that lead you to, did that lead you into the direction of understanding more about money? Did you find a mentor? Did you um, take any classes or did you just naturally start to do be better at did you naturally spend less than you made <laughs> you know as soon as i started getting a handle on it as soon as i realized oh it's simple and i can do it i can create a, a successful company the right people came along and i realized a whole lot of it is we're all kind of psychic we pick up on other people's energy for the first five years of my company while it was struggling because i knew nothing about business the vibe I was putting out into the world, if you want to put it that way, however you want to say it, but basically I was thinking, oh, I don't know what I'm doing. Please help me. I need help. I need help. And so, so I attracted people that were uh, compassionate, but not very skilled and professional. Then finally I got it out. Oh, I can do this. I see how to create a real successful business. Now I need people that can really help me take it to a new level, and this is an opportunity. Now, this business creates an opportunity for people. I, I didn't need people to give me stuff that for out of their compassion. I needed great professionals that realized that a good career can be had in my company if they help me make it successful. And then I attracted the right people in marketing and finance, the two areas I absolutely needed. The right financial person came around, whipped me in shape <laughs> in a very short time, and we've been financially 
profitable ever since. Our time is coming to an end. I know that you're at New World Library. This yeah. book is Tantra for the West. Would you like to share any information about what you're doing, uh, what New World Library is doing, any of that for our listeners in the future? Uh, let's see. I'll be doing a uh, teleseminar in the fall. They could look at markallen.com, M-A-R-C-A-L-L-E-N.com for information. And, and newworldlibrary.com, uh, we have great authors and uh they're doing a lot of different things here and there. You can you can get that on the website. I'm going to link all these in show notes, and then I'm, I, I have tons of authors coming from you guys. So Great. <laughs> so That's we, wonderful to hear, Drew. Yeah, so thanks for that. I love, yeah, anyways, I love your publicist, and everyone's great there. So, again, thank you for what, everything you guys are doing there. Uh, thank you. Thank you for all you do. Eh? All right. I love your show. Exploring Mind and Body is a pretty critically important thing to do. Set deep in the majestic foothills, the Sundry Golf Club boasts stunning views of the Red Deer River and the Rocky Mountains. Along Sundry's recently restored 18-hole course, you'll enjoy a haven of flourishing trees, exquisite water features, rolling greens, and a fair challenge to all golfers with improved, more forgiving fairways. We invite you to discover why this spectacular course is a must-play for all levels, a true golfer's paradise. Call the book your tee time today at 403 638 All right, so that's going to wrap things up for this edition of Exploring Mind and Body. I can't thank Mark enough for sharing some of his time with us and coming on and offering such valuable information. I hope you enjoyed that show because I certainly did. And if you get a chance to check out this book, it's called Tantra for the West. What I love about it is you can open it up and you can find useful information just about anywhere. Now, some people, like I imagine Mark would believe, you could flip open a book and whatever message you're supposed to know that day is going to be told to you or you're going to actually read it. So this is one of those books. And again, I'm so fortunate to have Mark on. He's such a great guy, especially coming from his position where he's at and how busy he is. We actually had the opportunity to talk to him off air for a little bit as well. So it was an absolute pleasure. Thanks, Mark, for doing that. And thank you for being here for this show, for checking out the blog and the notes and the downloads, all that. I appreciate everything you do to make this show what it is. Thanks to Jameson Brown for edits. That's it. So I got, I'm out of here. As always, I'm your host, Drew Tadia in health and fitness for a better world. Thanks for listening. You've been listening to Exploring Mind and Body with True Form Life's Drew Tadia, fitness expert. To find out more about the show, Drew Tadia, or to listen to past shows, visit exploringmindandbody.com. Exploring Mind and Body with True Form Life's Drew Tadia would not be possible without the help of GDK Gravel and Sand. GDK Gravel and Sand, now offering all products in half and one-yard bags. Give them a call today for more information. 1-877-335-2091.